This podcast is sponsored by Quickshot's Crossbow Delicatessen. Del- Delicatessen? Are they sure about that name? Nah. Well, if you need a repeating crossbow, a ballista, Bumblebee Mark II hand crossbow, the one that has quite a sting, collapsible spike thrower, dart gun, or even an enchanted fire shooting crossbow, or an icicle launcher, Quickshot's vast warehouse of more than two dozen crossbows will keep your enemies in the firing line. <laughs> I see what they did there. Very droll. <laughs> Tabletop role-playing news We aim to amuse We aim to enthuse And Morris is unofficial Tabletop RPG Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk I am Russ, a.k.a. Morris Or Morris, a.k.a. Russ And with me this week is Peter Coffee from the Southampton Guild of Roleplayers Alive and coronavirus-free. Whoop, whoop. Or so you think. Yeah, probably. I might well have it, <laughs> yeah. Although, um, both, of, both of us are slightly sniffly, and we've just, we, we, we normally do this in the same room, yeah, but we've yeah. decided to do it, do it by Skype this week, just in case. I know, I know, I mean, it means I don't... And also, to... I don't want to share my precious hoard of toilet roll with you. <laughs> <laughs> I see, you've become a toilet roll dragon. Interesting. <laughs> we've, got, we've got 17 rolls <laughs> What's that? Well, then, let's do some news. Oh, that's a bold choice, but I suppose we could. So, yes. Middle Earth. Middle Earth. Yes. Yes. Has Cubicle 7 dropped its latest fire track? What? Sorry. Never mind. Uh, so, latest from Cubicle 7 has come out, yeah? Yeah, the opposite of that. Cubicle 7 has retracted something? Well, Cubicle 7... Oh, they've lost the licence. Oh, no, they've given the licence. Well, has passed on the licence. Passed on the licence. They're like, oh, no, this Lord of the Ring thing is a fad. We'll never catch on. And people were wondering what was going to happen to the One Ring and Adventures in Middle-Earth. And what is happening to the wrong one? Now we know. Uh... Free League are doing it. Who? Free League. The Swedish guys. Oh, the people behind Tales from the Loop and... Yep. Alien. Alien. Yeah, so they announced it um, just about well, d- during the week, and uh, it takes effect from the 1st of June. Yes. So I guess there's some kind of transition period. So, uh, you know Cubicle 7 had the One Ring 2E in development? The uh, second edition of the One Ring. Okay, yeah. Yep. So, uh, 3D are going to take over development of that. Okay. So that's still going to come out. Nice. Although I've heard people saying it's more kind of like a 1.5 than a 2, oh, yeah. but I don't really know. Yeah, yeah. Not, not massive overhaul, just some uh, patches. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the main designer, I, I forget his name, uh, um, Fra- yeah, Francesco Nepitello, Yeah. the main designer of the One Ring, he's staying with the project, moving over to Free League and working on it there. Mm. So it's going to have the same, the same lead designer. As it always did have. Okay, so the overall arc, the overarching creative vision will remain the same. Yeah, basically. Yeah, mm. yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, they're still doing the uh, Adventures in Middle Earth one, which is the five E based thing. They're continuing okay. with that as well. Right. Okay. Uh, because that that has been doing. Uh, I think Dom said that's doing really, really well. Well, it is covered in the dust of five E, and therefore it would be hard for it to do badly. Yeah, it's that magical, sprinkly, fivey sparkle dust, it's like, as I like to call it. Lord of the Rings, 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons, you put them together, it's like the first time you have 
uh, strawberries with a, with a, a balsamic vinegar glaze. You're like, oh, that can't possibly work. Mm. That's actually quite nice. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you have no idea what I'm talking about, do you? No. Hey, so I'm talking of 3D anyway. Yeah, uh, The latest ICV2 stats came in. You know, their top five sellers. Oh, yeah, yeah. So these always lag behind by a couple of quarters. So this is fall 2019. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, the stats came in. Mm-hmm. And the top ones are pretty much as expected. They never seem to really change. Yep. D&D. Yep. Pathfinder. Yep. Uh, then you've got Shadowrun 6E. Oh, nice, nice. It's doing very well. Then you've got Star Wars, Fantasy Blade Games. Oh, uh, the Genesis system. Very nice. Mm-hmm. And then, guess who you got? Sneaking in at number five. Ooh, is it Pathfinder 2nd Edition? No, because that was at number two. Oh, you said Pathfinder, so I was wondering. Well, the Pathfinder brand. I got, oh, okay. So pa- Paizo was like, you know, doing its usual thing of we're number two and we try harder. <laughs> mm. Well, number five was Free League with Alien. Hey! So Alien, not only a Free League picking up Middle Earth. Yes. Uh, not only have they been uh, nominated for an Origins Award, which I'll mention it, go into in a bit. But also, they're the fifth (laughs) most popular RPG in fall 2019. They're doing really well. Yeah, absolutely. A Swedish invasion. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that game is storming it. And rightly so. Hmm. Very good game. I do like it. Yeah, I really should have a chance to play it sometime. You should. You should. should. The stress mechanic, I just love it. It's brilliant. It just works. We should, we should we should we should do an actual play of it because that'd be awesome. Yeah, I reckon so. Yeah. I reckon it works in the way that the dread Jenga mechanic works. Okay, because that builds tension really well too. Uh, yeah, and both yeah. of them build tension really really well. It's important in very different ways. Oh, uh, of course, of course, yeah. Both, both uh, so yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, uh, you know our friend and friend of the show, Chris Spivey. Mm-hmm. I'm well aware. You know, he was working on a sci-fi RPG with... Uh, he was working with Chaosium yeah, on, um, on a sci-fi game. Yes. And uh, he is no longer working with Chaosium on a sci-fi game. Is that because he's finished working on it? No. Oh. Uh, so apparently they, uh, they've, they've, been, they've been working on it for months. <laughs> and uh, through various discussions, they, they kind of came to the realisation that um, a lot of what Chris was writing was kind of quite personal. Yeah. And they kind of decided it was probably better that Chris took it on himself under his own label. Right. Um, which uh, which also did um, uh, Harlem Unbound and mm-hmm. that stuff. So Darker Hue Studios. Mm-hmm. So he uh, the the whole IP is transferred over to Darker Hue Studios now. Right. And uh, yeah, it's, it's like a you know it's all very very amicable. Stuff, oh, so. yeah. But uh, yeah. But, um, but Chris, Chris is he's going to be producing on himself now. Right. Um, which uh, which uh, sci-fi RPG was it? I can't... I'm... That's the thing, we don't know. Oh, okay. It's, un- it's untitled. I mean, they announced it ages ago, back in, like, June 2018 or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. Chris Spivey is a creative lead, and when we asked him about it when he was on our podcast, he just kept saying he couldn't talk about it. Ah, cagey man. <laughs> cagey. I, I, I yeah. love his work, I love his games, but he's a cagey, cagey man. Yeah. I mean, we did know it's, it uses the basic role-playing system, at least at the time. Whether that's going to change now, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I'd expect him to keep with it. It's pretty solid, so as long as there's yeah. no licensing issues, yeah. I shouldn't yeah. see there being an issue. Yeah. yeah. But other than that, we don't really know anything else about it, except it's basically a horror-themed sci-fi thing, I guess. 
Excellent. Well, I, I shall look forward to it. Yeah. yeah. I don't know when it's going to come out either. Well, maybe we should get back on the podcast when it's like getting closer. I'd say, hey, Chris, yeah. how you doing? <laughs> yeah. But he does, he, does, he does amazing stuff. I love all of his stuff. So. It's very personal and very creative. Yeah. Hey, so, you know, uh, Fantasy Flight Games uh, role-playing stuff was all going away. Yes, yes, they daxed their and studios everyone, and yeah. fired everyone and they like kept a bunch of freelancers on to keep on working on it. Yeah, well, everyone was kind of like, uh, what's going on with Star Wars? What's going on with Genesis? Yeah. Uh, what's going on with uh, Legends of the Five Rings? Yeah, yeah. Well, this, this really is a, a big kind of week of uh, living. So we've right. got, so we've got um, Lord of the Rings, Lord of the Rings going, going to, to um, Free League. We've got Chris Friday taking over the unnamed sci-fi thing from Chaosium. And now... Yes. Fantasy Flight Games RPGs are all yes. going to a company yes. called Edge Entertainment, a Spanish company called Edge Entertainment. Oh, I see. And they're known for mainly translations of tabletop RPGs. Oh. And they do some board games and stuff as well, I think. Right. So, not so much development house, but very good for popularising. Yeah. Um, so, I don't quite know how this is going to work. So, uh, Asmodi... Well, as well, as fantastic news for the South American market because they don't get a lot of love. And if they can do Portuguese as well, and you hit Brazil, there's quite a lot of people in Brazil, wow. uh, many of whom enjoy role playing, and, and 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 the people in Spain too. Oh yeah, yeah, but there's not as many. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, Asmodi, um, they own um, FFG Fantasy Flight mm-hmm. Games. They also mm-hmm. own Edge Entertainment. Mm. So basically, this is presumably mandated by Asmodi, and they. The, the role-playing staff just got moved from one company they owned to another. Oh, okay. They were like, Fantasy Flight's not able to concentrate as much? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, there's some rumours going around that it's to do with um, cr- increasing the value of the company, uh, you know, before a sale or something like that, and cutting costs, yeah. and I don't know, that sort of stuff. But who knows? It's all speculation, isn't it? A reorganisation has taken place, yes. and we know not why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it does mean that uh, um, Star Wars and um, L5R and Genesis are safe and continuing. Mm. Excellent, excellent. Well, it would have been a shame to let those uh, licences go and go to waste. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Uh, uh, the Origins Award nominees have been announced. Uh, the Origins Awards? Yeah. Um, so for our listeners who weren't listening at this time last year, can you tell us about the Origins? I can tell you about the origins. The origins are oh. some awards. And <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, um, you're so smooth. You're so smooth. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, they're an annual award show. Um, they don't, uh, unlike the Ennies, which is all, which is mainly RPG focused, pretty much. Yes. Uh, the origins award is sort of tabletop. So they've got categories for board games, and they've got card games and uh, miniatures and all sorts of stuff. So they've got one category for role playing games. And don't they have like a separate category for ideas that they like to award, give awards to from time to time? Ideas? Yeah. Like the concept of actual play. Oh, you're, you're thinking about the Diana Jones Awards? I am thinking of the Diana yes. Jones Awards. Entirely That's separate. That's just wrong. Entirely separate thing. Yeah, yeah. They're, 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 they're their own thing. Yeah. Anyway, so the origins. Tell me more about the origins. Well, the origins. Okay, so um, there are five nominees for role playing games this year, as that always nice. are. Nice. And yeah. those are. Yes. Alien, the role-playing game from Free League. Ooh. God, they're doing so well. I've got my yeah, fingers yeah. crossed for them, actually. I... Absolutely, yeah. We've got Over the Edge, third edition from Atlas Games. Ah, that's, that's familiar. 
I don't know why. You don't know why? <laughs> yeah. It's uh, sort of uh, conspiracy theories and uh, fringe science, and uh, it's a kind of a narrative storytelling game. Oh, right, right. No. Maybe it's that this game's maybe referred to the publisher. Uh, Probably. Sorry, sorry. A quite well known publisher. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else we got? We got Pathfinder 2nd Edition. Oh, nice, nice. Strong choice. Starcrossed from Bully Pulpit Games. Bully Pulpit Games. So Starcross, really well, Starcross is a, uh, we did mention it on the podcast, actually. It's the two-player yeah. game, which is kind of about relationships. Yeah, that sounds familiar. Here we go. In Starcross, you and your fellow player will craft characters who are powerfully attracted to each other, but have a compelling reason not to act on their feelings. Yeah, that does sound familiar. Uh, and who's that by? Jason, Jason Morningstar. Uh, they're based in, what's it, Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Huh. Okay. Fair enough. Um, and yeah, then we so got Teens in Space. Teens in Space. Teens in Space. Renegade Game yeah, Studios awesome. and Hunters Entertainment. Uh, uh-huh. And, um, yeah. In Teens in Space, you venture into the cosmos for adventure and profit. Oh, sounds good. Yeah. So Eddie, they're the five foot. I'm I'm rooting for Alien. I think the Alien is very cool, but I don't I mean, have the same cool. emotional. Awesome, but, uh, I don't I don't have the same emotional attachment. I gotta say, I'm sort of hoping for our friends at Paizo who do things like when we mention their games, they say, "Hey, they mentioned our games. We should mention them our thing." And then we get like, yeah, well, that's, that's because Paizo can afford a dedicated social social media person. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what happens when you're a bigger company. Mm. Anyway, good man games. Yeah, good, good man game, yeah. games. Um, they yes. are reincarnating Castle Amber. So you know they do their um, classic adventures revisit. What do they call them? Old original adventures reincarnated. There you go. Yes. Yeah, yeah. uh, and they've done they've done several of them. They did keep on the Borderlands, and they've done a few others. Um, the next and they do sort of the original what first or second edition, and then pack it with a fifth dead conversion. Yes. And they get both of those. Yeah, and, and also a bunch of other bonus stuff. Yeah, uh, value add. Yeah, they end up being massive, massive books. Because these, these are usually like 32-page modules, and you end up with these sort of like 300-page, 400-page big art covers. <laughs> because uh, I think for at least one of them, they included three different versions of the original module, because three different versions have been oh. released. So they just went, right, well, we'll put all three of the original versions in there, plus our yep. fifth edition version, plus some designer yep. notes, plus some extra handouts. Yeah. And if you're the sort of role player who tends to like measure a book's worth by whether you could use it as an improvised melee weapon in the event of a zombie apocalypse, I'm not saying that's me, but I'm not saying that's not me, you understand. Mm-hmm. Then yeah, that's like excellent value for money. Well, Castle Amber's the next one. Are you, are you familiar that's not with this related one? to that's not related to the Amber Diceless role playing game, is it? No. It's a D and D adventure. Okay. I figured. Yes. I thought I just checked. Yes, it's a D&D module. So, uh, X2, Castle Amber, Chateau d'Amberville. <laughs> That's what it literally says on the cover. Yeah, no, <laughs> I didn't make that yeah. up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's that okay, one where so there's, a, tra- uh, there's a, a tower on the, on the front cover and there's this big giant and in on one hand he's got a club and the other hand he's gripping the tower and squeezing it right. and the tower's collapsing. That seems awkward. And, like, maybe you should, I don't know. And there's people falling out of it and stuff. Why? Oh, dear me. Yeah. Yes. That would ruin your day, wouldn't it? 
that was seriously ruining today. There you are, trying to go to work and tell you've had to climb all the stairs because you can tell they don't have a lift installed. And then a giant comes along and wrecks your office. Like, annoying, what even? It? It's also got, not got an awful lot to do with the contents of the actual adventure. But, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this one, so, you, 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 you wake up, and I'm trying, to, I'm trying to remember this one because I, I, I haven't even looked at you this. You played it. I haven't played it, but I did used to <coughs> did used to own it. Yeah. Many years ago. So as I as I recall, uh, it's this uh, manor, and you wake up there, and you're yeah. imprisoned in the in this castle, Castle Amber, and you've got to escape yeah. the castle, and it's like insane, and there's like traps mm. and weird things going on, and oh. a weird curse and all this sort of stuff. Nice. It's all, it's all very that odd. does sound pretty interesting. Yeah. yeah. But I noticed a distinct lack of giant. I mean, maybe there was a giant in Probably there. I don't know. Up. I can't remember. There's a giant on the cover. Yeah. I'll give you that much. Yeah, yeah. A giant with a severely uh, receding hairline and a mullet. I'll say nothing. Receding hairline okay. and mullet. That excellent, fashionable combination. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it's mullet or the giant. <laughs> you can tell this was made in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Yes, oh. <clears throat> <clears throat> yes, we digress. Yeah. Now, how familiar are you with uh, sort of uh, Franco-Belgian comics? Are we talking Asterix and Obelix or Tintin? Tintin. Tintin. Uh, yeah, relatively familiar. Uh, I actually quite liked both in a shocking display of like disloyalty to one brand or the other. Are you it's not, normally are you it's not very supposed divisive. to like both? No, apparently it's like... Is you it know, a bit of a Marvel DC like, thing? I, I, I guess, but without, like, the point. <laughs> like, so, yeah, I've, I've always very much enjoyed both. They are very different art styles, and they're very different styles of storytelling, mm. but they're both pretty good, yeah. Well, this is a, a 60s cartoon-themed RPG called The Troubleshooters. Oh, okay, yeah. And it's inspired by Franco-Belgian comics. Right, By yes. Swedish designer Krista Sunderlin. Right. And just to give you a sense of the tone we're talking, the first adventure is called The U-Boat Mystery. Oh, okay. So, like, leaning into uh, sort of Cold War, but with a touch of pulp as well. Yeah. Is that right? Or... Uh, well, uh, here we go. So, here we I go. Suppose... Imagine yeah. a world where you yep. travel the world. I used world uh-huh. twice in one, in one sentence. Uh, imagine a world where you travel the world like Tintin. Unmask uh-huh. heinous villains like Scooby-Doo and the Mystery Gang. Unravel mysteries... Mm-hmm. Like Nancy Drew, do heists like Carmen Sandiego, stop evil masterminds like Spirou and Fantasio. Who are they? Solve, crime- <laughs> Solve crimes like the Saint, or even catch spies like the Man from Uncle. They're going for a very specific audience here. Quite broad <laughs> sweep there, actually, isn't it? Well, it's a, it's a very broad sweep, but it's definitely people of a certain age. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, I mean, it says uh, 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 characters range from athletes and explorers to journalists and mad scientists, Ooh. glittering met- metropoles, lost temples, valleys that time forgot, spies, wild beasts, mafia, villains, uh, a secret organisation called the Octopus. It's all very... <laughs> yeah. It looks fun. Uh, an octopus needs an incredibly convoluted backronym. Yes. Uh, where they said, right, we're calling ourselves octopus. Now, what does this stand for? I don't know, organised crime and <laughs> terrorism. <laughs> Office of 
uh, purse snatchers, <laughs> usurpers, and general stealth spies. Spies, obviously spies. What am I thinking? <laughs> God, uh, yeah, can you like say that again? From... No. <laughs> well, that actually looks really good fun. Uh, I can, I can see it'd be fun, but I think everyone would have to be on board with the tropes, and quite frankly, that would actually be quite hard for me to find. I don't know. I reckon if you just talk about uh, mad scientists and baddies that times forgot, I think people will be on board with that. Yeah, they, they do have a certain tradition to it. If there's not rules for quicksand, right, I don't want to know. I'm sure they are. Because you remember when we were growing up, it was like you, quicksand was a very real and present danger that everyone had to watch out for. Mm. Well, the, <laughs> and it sort of disappeared. Well, there's a piece of art here, which is a castle on a snow-capped peak, yeah. and it's got yeah. cable cars coming from it, and there are people in each oh. cable car shooting at each other, while someone oh. is falling from a cable car while someone else reaches out and grabs hold of them. Oh, yeah, that's like, that's that, that's improper. That, that's very definitely placing it in a time place. Mm. That used to be all the rage. It's like, you, you know, again, I, I was always very disappointed that cable cars nowadays just don't seem to have that same sort of, like, high terror hijinks. Are you saying when you get in a cable car, you hope someone shoots at you? I'm saying I've never been in a cable oh, car. Not. Oh. But if I, if I wasn't witness to a running gun battle, I would be on some level... I'd be mostly relieved, or but I would at some level be disappointed. To be honest, yeah. they're a little overrated. They're not that exciting. Cable cars mm. or gun battles? Uh, cable cars. Okay. The number of gun sure. battles I've been in can be counted on one hand, and only if that hand has no fingers. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we digress. Yeah. Uh, oh, that sounds like an interesting game. What's it called again? This uh, uh, the troubleshooters. So the troubleshooters. It is being produced yeah. by a company called Helmgast AB. But guess who else is handling the distribution? Is it Medivius? <laughs> How could we have a news section without it being Medivius? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, they, they, they've got an ambition, which is to publish everything. Yes. Or and they're, and they're getting there. Um, so they've got a, a, got a crowdfunding campaign coming in April, and then it's going to be Ooh. available in the summer, English and French editions. Oh, there we go. That's some, that's some proper leaning into the... Uh, uh, comics no that'd be really good hmm. oh. Oh, maybe i could uh, get some of my gang back together because i've got some francophone friends we could do like a nice mix and they can wince at my appalling french i'm <laughs> 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 a french accent they did not like it they did not like it at all my friend <laughs> <Mon ami. laughs> probably best avoided it is probably best avoided <laughs> and yet <laughs> hey so ed greenwood's writing a new forgotten realms source book oh that's nice yeah. So he created the yeah, Realms. He did. And he and Alex Kammer are currently oh. working on the Border Kingdoms. Border Kingdoms, mm. okay. And details an area of the Forgotten Realms, uh, which is lots and lots of little small petty, uh, f- um, you know, warlords. And- they're, they're, they're borders. You've got, like, dukes. That's what defines duchy. It's the end of your civilization and next to someone else's. Yeah, yeah. That, like, mar- yeah, yeah. the marches, the marcher lords, all that yeah, sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, that sort of thing, yeah. Uh, people, people who are very independent, living on the edge of civilization, who don't care for whichever central authority has uh, nominal control yeah. over them. So they're, they're working on that. that. Um, no release date, nice. but there's, um, there's a cover being produced, and it's coming. It'll be Adventures League Legal. Yes, I'd heard about that. That's, oh, yeah, no, sorry, quite forgotten no, that that will be quite exciting because mm. adventurers league it's like been quite restricted they brought out 
ever on stuff. Everyone was very excited about that. Mm. And it was just like, it's only for this one adventure pathway, yeah. which they're releasing very, very slowly. Yeah. So in about another year and a bit, I'll be ready to start running it. But until I like, they're just bringing it out too slowly. Mm. <laughs> well, I mean, you are allowed to play games that aren't Avengers League legal. It's not like... Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, that, that's nice and all, but like things like, um, oh, uh, Ta- the Tal'Darei source book. Yes. Um, that's not Adventurous League legal. Mm-hmm. Even, I don't think it will be, even if they... Uh, well, that one was, that one was produced it. by Green Running, so it wouldn't be, but you're thinking of Wildman, no, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, um, yeah, the new Adventurous Guide sort of thing. Yeah. That, that, I don't think that is going to be. What about Theros? No, no, it'll be like it's a Magic the Gathering set, a setting like Ravnica. Mm. So basically, it's like if you are into the setting, it's a source book, but it's not really going to enjoy a lot of support, mm. which is a bit of a shame, really, because I quite liked Ravnica. Uh, I'd be quite interested in Ferros. It's just having people write stuff that I could then say, oh, well, I have this book here, I have this adventure here, I could run stuff, or I could write my own. Well, um, I guess. There's so many <laughs> Greek-themed 5e um, no, six, games and settings yeah, at the moment. You, you could probably find plenty of plenty of material to play in Theros quite easily. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It just um, wouldn't be adventurous legally cool. Yeah, indeed. Um, but, I mean, part of the joy of Adventurous League is that you'd be able to take your character anywhere and play it at a convention. Mm. And it's like, you know, you're just like, oh... Oh, this is just the game. Oh, I can play. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's, I don't know, it's, it's its own thing. Not, it's not for everyone. And there's a lot of people who have had terrible experiences with it. I've been very lucky in that all my experiences have been really good with, like, lovely people. So, aren't they? Maybe I'm just nice to them. Lucky, else, you, know? lucky you. I know. I'm so fortunate. <laughs> anyway, moving swiftly on. Uh, moving swiftly on. I did another one-page adventure. This month's one page adventure is called Flight of the Almost Dragons. Okay. It's a tribe of kobolds. (laughs) They dream of flying like a real dragon. So, uh, with a name like Flight of the Almost Dragons, I'm hoping you're calling upon references like the Gordon, Gordon Dixon book, The Dragon Knight, which later was made into an animation called Flight of Dragons. Uh, which is about Jim Eckert, I want to say, who falls for a portal into a world. And he's like, okay, well, I'm a AAA-plus basketball player, which was something that Gordon R. Dixon never tired of typing out. Because I must have read that phrase like about 10, 12 times in the book, which is a lot for a description of a dude. And then he goes off and has adventures and um, uses the power of science to defeat magic. Uh, in the film, there's actually a series of books that goes on. I'm also hoping you've got The Flight of the Phoenix in there as well, which is the uh, 1940s black and white film about an airplane that crashes in the desert and then like people like sort of jury rig it to get it going, which I think they did a remake of. It's one of those two things. Is, is, it, is it neither of those no, two it's things? it's one of those two things. Uh, Flight of the Phoenix, I reckon, with you. So these kobolds who dream of flying have found a yes. crashed alchemical yes. airship. And they see this is their chance to finally be like real dragons and it's fly. The best day ever. Unfortunately, they lack they some ingredients, robots. some alchemical ingredients to repair the ship. Oh no, are they on the top shelf? 
And so they recruit the PCs. Well, they initially ambush the PCs because they're going around ambushing people to try and see if they've got any alchemical stuff on them and try and nick them. But they're quite cowardly and they end up talking to the PCs and hopefully the PCs offer to help them get these ingredients. And there's three things. There's some basilisk blood they need to fuel it. Right. There's the control rod, which has been stolen right. by a troll and some goblins. Oh. And there's this um, iridescent, um, iridescent um, fungus, which provides the uh, insulation lining for the alchemical engine, which stops everybody on board getting electrocuted when it takes That off. seems like a strong plan. Yes. So you have to get those three things, and then yes. the kobolds are already happy, and they have a party, and they say thank you, and they fly off in their new airship. Yeah, their ambitions and dreams fulfilled. Can you make a kobold very happy? Yes. Or how the spectrum mayflies are just like, huh, kobolds, yeah. shank. All on one page. <laughs> one page of There we go. Well done. That, that sounds like an excellent idea. It is an excellent Very whimsical. Yes, it's very, very nice. And, and quite different. Yeah. Exploring a different space. Hmm. It's quite cute. It's a bit of a cutesy. Yes. Yes, I, I have a party of level 12 kobolds that I know of. That would probably enjoy playing with that. <laughs> so level 12 might be a bit higher. It's designed for level 4. <laughs> but then again, none of it's that challenging. It's more, it's more that this particular adventure is designed more to be fun than it is to be particularly deadly. No, no of course. It's uh, the nature of the beast. Yeah. I suppose you could do it as like a personal quest for a player or something online. Yeah, if you're doing a bit of duet play, like, well, I'm a level 12 druid. Mm. How do I solve this problem? Other than by casting all the spells. And why aren't I busy on a plane somewhere? Like, not plane, like a flying plane, but a plane, like a different plane, mm. elemental. Yeah. We digress. Uh, Starfinder has a new errata and FAQ website. Exciting well, it's actually the same website, it's just been reorganised and has a new user interface, which makes it a lot easier for you to find stuff on it. Okay. So if you're playing Starfinder, yes. you can head on under there and find lots of frequently asked questions and errata and stuff and it's all nicely navigable with like expanding subject headers and it's quite easy to turn um, into what you want ah uh, Paizo have done some reorganisation yes basically and is it, and it but this is, is this news though it's a thing that happened okay <laughs> that was, uh, <laughs> that's the definition of news isn't it I don't know company reorganises website <laughs> Thousand shots. If you're if you're into oh. Starfinder, you might be interested in that particular bit of highly highly important news. It is highly important for all your FAQ ne- mm. needs. Yes. Uh, Gate Dra. Uh, Baldur's Gate uh, number yes. three. Yes, yes, um, yes, yes. So there's quite a bit of information come out about that in the last week. Is it? They've been doing right. interviews. Uh, yep. uh, they did an interview on Dragon Class. They did a uh, Reddit AMA. So there's lots of there's lots of little tidbits of information. I mean, do you want to dive into them quickly? Absolutely. Okay. So this is this is from the uh, Dragon Plus interview. Yep. And this is with senior writer Adam Smith and senior designer Edward Imbert. Okay. Uh, yep. So uh, your character is infected with a tadpole on a mind flayer nautiloid ship, which crashes. I think we yep. already knew that from the trailer, didn't we? Yes, yes. Uh, there's a ticking clock of just a few days to get it out of your head before you turn yes. into a mind fair yourself, but your tadpole does give you special abilities. <laughs> That's a sentence I never thought I'd say. Your tadpole <laughs> does give you special abilities. Yes, that, 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 that sound you heard was my uh, paradigm shifting without a clutch. 
that had lots of grinding gears. It was very important. Yeah. So um, the game is based on 5e rules. We already knew that. There will be some yes. changes. Um, yes. The most exciting of these apparently is the expansion of what you can do as a bonus action. The changes of the Ooh. initiative system to be team-based so you can switch between characters on your turn and set up combos. Oh, nice. Uh, there are five uh, companions which will be available in the early access version of the game. And romance options available for all characters. Yay. Oh, yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I suppose the switching between characters would, help, would be how you'd implement the ready action or something. Yeah. Well, let's have a look. So on the AMA, switching over to the AMA now, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. being an ask me anything for those who don't know really wow. um, they said uh, they plan on every class from the PHB to be available to play on launch nice they haven't gone into what races are going to be available yet well we know there's vampire spawn yeah they've already well. they've already spilt a few yeah, yeah. Um, there's Gith Yankee as well we've seen a player called Gith Yankee haven't we I believe, I'm not big Forgotten Realms chap, that these are related to the Mind Flayers, like they are enemies of them? I think they're enemies of everybody. I just think they don't <laughs> like people. They're antisocial, really. Um, they're focusing on PHB, DMG, and Monster Manual material, generally, over later stuff, yeah, that makes sense. Like, your, your, your core stuff, and then obviously, um, if you say, oh, but I want to play College of Glamovards, then they will like release that as a DLC. Possibly, yes. Oh, come on, you've got Zaphars, you've got Modern Cannons, you've got the Sword Coast. Yeah, oh, yeah, I, I imagine so. I imagine so. I just haven't said it. Yeah, right. um, there's going to be lots nice. of links to the original games, both in plot and characters. Nice. Uh, what else have we got? A few little highlights. Uh, there's no grappling in it, uh, although shoving is in. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. Um, there's no readying in action. Yeah, that. Um, like I said, that would make sense with the the combo because how, like I'm just guessing how they would do it from Divinity Original Sin 2 so yeah switching around would make more sense okay. yeah uh, short rests happen automatically between combat encounters nice I'll play a fighter then uh, the game covers levels 1 to 10 oh, seems sensible yeah uh, all PHP classes and subclasses have been confirmed mm-hmm Okay, yep. Uh, they don't appear to be wedded to their current initiative system. But no, I don't actually no. know what their current initiative system is, so I can't comment on that, really. Uh, well, didn't we talk about it earlier? They In the game engine, which it's based off, it's all... But they have, like... I don't know how it works. I know there are numbers and they get bigger. And one of my dudes goes before the others. I don't know how it works. Uh, but it's like... Eh. Initiative happens. Um, they, they are saying this isn't just divinity, uh, divinity original sin thing. That is, you know, it's no, substantially no. different. Yeah, I, I imagine they've done some things, but it's close enough that I can see how they would do it. For instance, if you wanted to cast grease in their fireball, I could already do that in the original game. And also, by the way, top tip: that is immense fun. <laughs> Whoosh, everything's on fire. Uh, Sorry. Multiclassing is in. Okay. Pretty much as written um, in the book. Same for extra attacks. Feats are also in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, four-person parties. Right. I was wondering whether it would be four, five, or six. So four. Yeah. Four's actually a really good number if you can get them together. Like, when you put six or seven players into your D&D game, it does change the game quite noticeably. Mm. It, it's different to run it as well as to play yeah. it, I assure you. Uh, there's generic yeah. mercenaries available. Oh, 
okay. Presumably to fill out your party or so. And all NPCs are fully realised characters you can choose to play. These were posted by uh, Greydine on um, on EN World. Yeah, yeah. Like, like I say, it's a, it's a very fun game, the first two divinities. So um, I don't see why... I, I'm very hopeful that I will very much enjoy playing Baldur's Gate 3, because I really like the story of Baldur's yeah, Gate. so too. Uh, here we go, so we've got some more. Uh, way more emphasis on custom PCs. This is not Divinity Original Sin 2. Custom PCs, race no. class and background, as well as their choices and actions throughout the game will have significant impact on the story. Nice. Uh, you can customise your yeah. PC in many ways, including visually. That's yeah. pretty standard, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's nice It's nice to have, and yeah, it's generally quite... They, they do quite pretty stuff i like aesthetics anyway so uh, your custom pc will be fully voiced with several voice options to choose from that's pretty standard as well isn't it yeah um, well they're calling back to Baldur's gate so yeah. you might as well uh there's no custom vampire spawn asterion only so basically what i'm getting from that is your character your your main character you can't create as a vampire spawn but you can recruit one called asterion is is what yes. i'm getting from that <laughs> where were we Oh yeah, alignment is downplayed if not outright removed. Okay, so that's fifth dead, um, or it should be. Uh, there's large explorable areas rather than individual maps. Mm-hmm. There's no item randomization; all treasure is deliberately placed. Oh, that is nice. Uh, the emphasis is on being very, very long. It seems like Baldur's Gate <laughs> itself will be reached later <laughs> in the game. <laughs> So I'm never going to finish it then. <laughs> no, pretty much. Uh, if you've got... Well, it's just like if you spend 40 quid on a game and you're done in five hours, it's like, feels less satisfying than if you spend 40 hours on a 40 quid game. Ooh. None of the uh, Larian higher-ups at the AMA knew if half-drow could grow beards like other half-elves. They're going to check <laughs> in with their moustache guys. <laughs> Oh, that's a fine job for him. Yeah. What do you do? I do moustaches for elves, but only half elves. <laughs> It'd be weird if, you, if if it was like half elves, but it's like horizontally divided, so they could have a moustache on one side of their face, but not the other. Hey, don't take the mick out of someone's asymmetric beard. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm, all, I'm admiring it. Yeah. Be amazing. It's like hashtag goals. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, right, well, so we got. I think we're, we're, we're largely done in the news now. Um, there's a few more miniatures coming out in Wizkid's Nolzer's Marvelous Miniatures line for D&D. Oh, yeah. Each yeah. one individual in its own pack, pre-primed yeah. and ready to paint. Oh, nice, uh, nice. The smaller ones are seven ninety nine each. The large ones are fourteen ninety nine. Hitting stores this August, and they are... Ogre Zombie, a nice. Bone Naga, a Roper, a Nalfeshni. A what? Uh, it's a type of demon. Nalfeshni. Okay. A Cloaker. Oh. A Venom Troll. Right. A Raging Troll. Okay. As opposed to a troll that's just sitting down for dinner. or you know, yeah. a na- As opposed to a napping troll. <laughs> that, that, that troll over there is having a... Sna- no, that one's having a spliff. But that one over there... He is raging. <laughs> a hook horror. Oh, nice. A gorgon. By which is I assume... Like, yeah. Do they mean Medusa or do they mean a giant mechanical ball? I imagine the last Ooh, yes. 
and a manticore and a giant ape and a driving griffin. A driving griffin. Diving griffin. Oh, diving. <laughs> you did say driving before. You did. You did say it. I heard you. <laughs> but I want the driving griffin. <laughs> if a griffin could drive, what would they drive? I like Interesting. Drive, I like to think they drive a jaguar. Convertible, obviously. Well, yes. Yeah, where, where would the wings go? <laughs> and they need like obviously because it's convertible. They need like a like one of those like driving caps and goggles oh, and, a, and, a, and a silk scarf. Like this is a terrible, oh. terrible idea. This Stop it, coffee! Idea. Stop it! <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyway, that's it for the news. We're done. Oh. We've done the news. There's no more news of mm, any kind. Yes. Except for some Kickstarter news, which is also news, but of a slightly different kind. All right, let's, do, let's quickly do some Kickstarters. Quickly. Uh, Monty Cook's Protolus coming to an end. Oh, did your, quick start, your Kickstarter finish, didn't it? Yes, it made yes, money. It did, it did finish. And I sent out the Ooh. digital rewards in six minutes. Nice. And the reason it took me a whole six minutes is because there were yes. 12 reward categories. And yes. Kickstarter makes you work your way through each one of them and send them out separately. So it's basically 30 seconds per category. Oh. Right, I had them all yeah. out within six minutes. Good lad. Well that done. is my idiom. Idiosyncrasy, maybe. Uh, it's, idiom. A, it's, a, it's a Holy Grail thing. Monty Python and Holy Grail. Uh, anyway, uh, Monty Cook's um, City by the Spire. Spire. By the Spire. Yes. Told us. Uh, it's got a week to go. It's yes. gone past half a million dollars. Good grief. Yeah, I know. Let's just keep doing that. <laughs> Monty Cook games. It's like insane. They make yeah. more per minute than I make in an entire month. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good on them! Good on them. They, they I mean, yeah. like I've, like I always say, they they mastered Kickstarter. They know exactly how to do it. Yeah, yeah. why not? Why not? Yeah. Uh, what else we got? Oh, uh, pa, uh, Passion de la Passions. Passion of the Passions. What? Yes. Uh, by Magpie Games, powered by the yeah. Apocalypse. Okay. You play the stories of the greatest telenovela ever to air. A telenovela called, of course, Passion de la Passions. Oh, nice. You'll be playing a scheming and dangerous character like El Gemello. Or you'll be playing an innocent character striking for love like La Ampliada. Okay. Explosive confrontations, uh, evil twins and more. So much smouldering. <laughs> if this if this doesn't bring smouldering looks to your table, then I well, don't the know cover has a, a couple in not very much clothing in an embrace with a heart superimposed over them with the uh, title "Passion de la Passions" written there. So it looks like a romance novel cover. Yes, yes, uh, that makes that yes the name. Yeah, I mean they just needed to work Corazon in there. Somewhere and it would like just be perfect. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, what else have we got? We got Princess World, tabletop role playing game of action, adventure, and problem solving. Do you get to play a princess? Uh, two to five players each take on the role of various diverse princesses. Woo! Get to be a little gang of princesses. Yeah. Uh, you can all be pretty, pretty princesses or not. Yeah. So we, we don't body shame princesses on this podcast. We do not. No. Uh, we have got a Stibbles Codex of Companions, Crap Road of 5th uh, Edition Animal Companions. Oh, nice. Uh, we have got the Camlan Chronicles 
Ross, uh, you can't you can't just skip over annual animal companions for well, fifth well, day. I don't know what to say about that. It's, it's just well, it's, it's in the tin. It's got okay. animal companions in it. There right. you go. Done. Okay. The number one question on everyone's lips is one: Do you get a miniature giant space hamster? I don't know. I expect oh. so. I don't know. Uh, well, what sort? Of I don't care do enough to look. Uh. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it was a useful book of animal companions. But that's oh, what very. Dare you, sir. And you call yourself a reporter. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. 70 plus new low CR monsters to be used as pets, familiars, and helpful little friends. Excellent. So um, that could well be useful for me. I've got a player who wants to have like a monkey, has his pirate companion. That sounds like the sort of thing you would find. It does sound useful. Because uh, currently we're using a cat stat block. A cat block, if you will. A cat block. A cat block. <laughs> well, I mean, how much how much detail do you need? I don't know. I mean, that, that works fine, doesn't it? I don't know. That's a cat's can't throw, cats can't fling poo, unlike uh, unlike monkeys. That's true. Not that Monty has ever flung poo. Actually, he's a cat, not a monkey. No, no, but Monty's the name of the monkey. But it's also the name of your cat. It is. Why is the, name, two... why is the name of the monkey named after your cat? Because one of the people who knows me also know, is also in the game. He's like, oh no, they call your monkey monkey Monty. And therefore, Peter won't kill it. I'm like, that's not truth to that. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, it's like I'm not going to go out my way to. I'm going to go out my way to originally. But you know what? Fireballs happen, and that's unfortunate. I like it. <laughs> I like the name of this company. It's called yes. Sons of the Singularity. Is that the name is of the company. Name. It's a good name, uh, and they they are producing the Camelan Chronicles, which is wealth. Uh, uh, Welsh? Uh, Welsh? Why did I say Welsh? Welsh. <laughs> you two can listen while Russ dissolves into coronavirus online. <laughs> yeah, in time. Uh, Welsh and uh, Brythonic themed campaign. Arthurian okay. legends, fledgling kingdoms, mythic British isles. Oh, that's the sound. Nice. That does sound fun. Frey Celtic. Yeah. There we go. That is the Kickstarter. Yes. Yeah. Did you enjoy that? I, I enjoyed it very much. Jolly good. Wait! I hear a rustling in the bushes. Stay alert. Don't worry. It's just my dire badger. Your what? My dire badger. What's wrong with it? What do you mean? Well, you said it's dire. What's wrong with it? Ain't nothing wrong with it. Let me see. I'll be the judge of that. Fine. Deirdre, Deirdre, come here. Deirdre? What's wrong with Deirdre? I guess we're about to find out. Oh, my. What's wrong? You're right. That's a poor example of a badger. Hey, don't badger shame. Look, I've seen badgers, but this one is just dire. What do you think dire means? It means poor quality, substandard. No, it don't. It means for fearsome. Fearsome and ferocious. Not where I come from, it doesn't. Hey, did you hear that bard last night? Yeah, he was dire. Hey, don't go to that new tavern in town. It's pretty dire. No, 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 no. That's not what it means. You think I'd have inferior animal companions? That might be how you use it down in Chult, but here on the Sawcroft, it means critical or urgent. You know, like a dire emergency. So you're saying this is an urgent badger? Well... No, not not as such, no. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Wind back a second. You said companions, plural. You you have more? Well, I am a druid. It's kind of my thing. Oh, 
Okay, so uh, what else do you have? Oh, I have an abominable snowman. Yeah, I've seen you attempt at a snowman. Abominable is too kind for it. And a deplorable bat. A deplorable bat. Yes, and an atrocious rabbit. What makes a rabbit atrocious? Well, to be honest, he's not very rabbity. In fact, I suspect he's a cat. Yeah, a cat would make an atrocious rabbit. There's my dreadful weasel. Look, where do you find all these creatures? Oh, I don't know. Maybe I'll just attract them. Oh, look, here's Terence, my lousy cockroach. Hello, Terence. <laughs> <sighs> Let's see. There's Gordon, my faulty owlbear. Delilah, my substandard crocodile. And Eloise, the appalling shark. An appalling shark. Oh, yes, yes, yes. She's quite appalling. Look, this adjectival soup is getting quite out of hand. Can we just agree that dire and atrocious and abominable are poor terms, not really up to the task? Well, what would you suggest if I can't use dire? Meet my critical weasel. Hello, everybody. Uh, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We just wanted to mention our Patreon. Peter, are you familiar with our Patreon? Oh, is it uh, patreon.com slash Morris? Yes. M-O-R-R-U-S. At patreon.com forward slash Morris, you can find our Patreon, which is what pays for our podcast and buys yes. us all these wonderful microphones and yes. mixers and other little bits and pieces. And wires, so many wires. And all these wires. Uh, we have a load of wonderful Patreon backers at the moment. And yes. those backers get... We cherish you all. Yes, we do cherish them very much. And those yes. backers get bonus content every single week, just as a thank you for uh, for backing our Patreon. And because they're so awesome and so quick off the mark, they also get to like talk to us in our Discord channel, which is pretty good. Mm. And sometimes even deign to answer that. Uh, but even more importantly, when we have guests coming onto the show, they have the opportunity to ask questions of those guests. Mm. Um, and then we will pass on the questions that we think we, our guests will answer. So please, if you do enjoy the podcast, head on over to patreon.com forward slash Morris. Link will be in the show notes. Yes. And support us, even with just a dollar a month. Every little, every little bit helps. Paid Game Masters. Paid Game Masters. Yes, that's right. Oh, that's what we were saying last week. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because um, on Sunday, I pay for someone to come and GM. Well, two someone's to come and GM at my house. At yes. once? It was for two different tables. Oh, I see. Okay. That seemed quite confusing <laughs> there for a second. I can imagine that the two GMs arguing. You meet an Albert. No, you don't. Well, basically... I think pops up in my Facebook ads, like uh, Fable Gaming over in Hampshire. Yeah. And it said, you know, pay for a GM. I was like, oh. I, it's something that, you know, comes up from time to time yeah. on my radar. Because everyone, you know, at some, well, a lot of people at some level fancy themselves say, well, you know, I could be a professional GM. People okay. could pay me to do stuff. And for a lot of people, it's a very emotive subject and people get super angry. So you know so what the question on everybody's lips right now is? Can you play Boo the miniature giant space hamster? And if you pay the right amount of money, I'm sure you can. Yes, that is the question. But the second question on everybody's lips is how much <laughs> How much did it cost? How much does it cost to hire a GM? Well, I, I was getting a bargain price of... Uh, they were doing half price rate, so 
50 pounds was their introductory rate for two GMs for the day. So it would normally be 500 quid to do what I did, but because oh, right, so assuming it's just one GM then. So for one GM, uh, you'd be talking normally 250 quid for the day, yeah. Uh, yes, that would be that would be their business model that they're planning to do, uh, which works out at around round about 30 pounds an hour. So how many hours is that? Uh, eight. Eight hours. Yeah. Yeah, and change. Yeah. Okay. Oh, thirty pounds an hour isn't terrible, and that's for like for a group of four. Sorry. For a oh, group of this four was for uh, yeah. We had one group of five and one group of six. So you're paying about fifty quid each, give or take, for a day. Um, if when you say fifty quid each, that sounds like quite a lot of money. Um. Oh yes, yes. Sorry. So yeah, if you split it like uh yeah, if you split it five ways, then yeah, it's about fifty quid yeah. for a day's entertainment, which is. Round about the six pound an hour mark, which is cheaper than Cinema, but you know, less special effects. Mm. Okay. I mean, because don't, don't don't forget, because you have to pay for. I mean, and I think we should really set out our stall before this, which is like nobody on this podcast. And I think pretty much in general, nobody is saying that games masters should charge their mates to run games for them. We are not talking about that. We are talking specifically about paying. A stranger to come to your house and run a game for you. That's what we're talking about. We're not talking about saying we should change role play and you should all pay your games master and stuff like that. That's not what we're saying. So, is do that, they, that okay for that money, do yes. they bring everything that you need? Uh, yeah, they bought they, these guys were pretty professional. They bought a lot of the stuff that you'd want maps, battle maps, minis. Uh, they didn't have like all the possible selections. In the world, but they had quite a decent selection. Handouts, props, anything like that? Props, props, props. For this particular game, it wouldn't have made a lot of sense. They did generate a sort of a briefing sheet beforehand. Yeah. But yeah, we did. it wasn't like the sort of game that lent itself to props. Although, I, I imagine they could have if that had been right. sensible to do so. And this is D&D yeah. you were playing, was it? Yeah. Um, when I initially approached them, I was basically just seeing what they could do and had like a a wish list mm. that I threw at them. Things like Ars Magica, Unknown Armies, um, you know, like basically a list of games that nobody runs, which I've never played in. Did they advertise as like being able to do these things? Or? No. no. They okay. just said paid game mastering. Right. So I thought I'd, I'd take a punt to see what they sure. had. And okay. yeah. what, what it boiled down to was they could run 5th edition D&D, okay. right. which I wasn't super excited about. But... Then it's part of the thing, um, I floated the concept of an epic, which is from Adventurers League, where you have multiple tables all working together to achieve something which ties together. Yeah. So, and they said, and they reckon they could do that. So I thought, well, you know what? Sounds like a giggle. Hmm. I'll give it a go. Okay. So, yeah. So, you're, how was it then? Um, yeah. Uh, I, everyone enjoyed themselves. Okay. And that's, that's, that, that's, basically the important thing to take home mm-hmm. like it was it was a positive experience and everyone had a good time like there were some things that uh, i think that's just like yeah it's just part of the if you've got a good group yeah you're going to have a good time whatever happens sure which was largely my thinking because like the people I've been playing with i've played with before i know what they're like they're, i i i knew that there would be i knew justin would bring along a dulcimer um and play it and there was also someone brought along a squeeze box and played it because they're very into their role playing. So I knew that was going to happen and that things would be good that way. But in some respects, however, it was less than ideal. I did ask 
I mean, it's. I don't want to be mean about these guys because they did, you know, a, a, a good job because mm-hmm. um, everyone enjoyed themselves. But I did ask for um, Irish fairy tales and a heist, and we're sort of investigating the heist rather than actually planning one right. or doing one. And it wasn't really anything to do with Irish fairy tales. I mean, we went to uh, something that was a bit unusual from regular D&D, so they sort of went with uh, going to the Feywilds and Shadowfell. And it was quite an interesting game where there's sort of a castle that exists in the Shadowfell and Feywild at the same time. And that basically sort of like mm. the Feywild one was sort of uh, a ruined one, but it was like sort of spiritually close, so occasionally you could see things happening, and you had to do things on both sides because there was like a a cube of chaotic intent which had been stolen and was going to be used to bring all the planes back together because they'd been split up right. at some point in the past. So was this a published um, adventure or a custom one? It was a custom one. Yeah. So yeah, they, they, they adapted parts of a module to make this happen. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so they got some of the NPC stat blocks. It was a level eight adventure, yeah. So it was quite, it was quite tanky uh, in some places. But yeah, that, that was the plan. Yeah. Uh, Would you do it again? Um, I wouldn't pay for it again. Mm. Um, it was a good choice at the time because it was my birthday. Mm. I wanted to celebrate it. It was like getting my most enthusiastic D and D nerds together so I could do it properly. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with it, but if I want a game run at that tempo and style, I can either do it myself or I have friends who will also do it for me. Mm. Uh, one of the joys of one of the joys of running a role playing game club. <laughs> yeah, you have you have people available. I mean, they 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 were like they were competent yeah. uh, and and did it. There, there was like nothing bad about it. I just wasn't. I as I say, I enjoyed myself. It's just I wasn't like, oh wow, this is amazing. I guess you're sort of not necessarily the exact target audience for that sort of thing necessarily, though. If it was like a group of people who've never played D and D before, oh yeah, and they were yeah, like, they I'd like to try this out. Yeah, they're, they're, this would be a really good way to go about doing it, um, like getting a professional GM and stuff. Because for if you've never played before, they'd be like, oh, this is really good. Mm. It's just like I have done a lot of role playing with a lot of very good people, and I, you know obviously have an interest in the hobby yeah. and push myself quite hard to find new and interesting ways to do stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, like I said, it's no reflection on them. And it's one of those things, you're doing You're doing it for a fresh group. Yeah. You don't really know anyone. There are limits to how much you can play off people. You're sort of finding your way. Yeah. But but, but there, there were some things like the number of combats per table. Because halfway through... Jess was on, my wife Jess was on a different table, so we swapped around, mm. and that was supposed to be a plot element as part of the romance plot, yeah. which also didn't really manifest. It was like, not a plot point, it was just like, Jess was like, well, I've done as much as I can, I'm going to swap swap the two of us between each other, so mm. she did. And then they had like a bunch of dragon fights, and we had like a fight against the Queen of Night and Magic, who was completely immune to illusions mm. which was my character's shtick has an illusionist wizard yeah so it's like they sort of adapted it i signaled wh- where we were going and what we were doing in advance and then we had the party that consisted of like all these sneaky stealthy commando ones mm. they went to the big party and the party that consisted of the faces and the tanks that we thought we'd have to negotiate 
they ended up being in the ruined castle fighting everything. Yeah. I mean, it's an eighth-level party, so it was fine, but I was just a bit annoyed that I missed out on all the fighting. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, and that my illusions did not did nothing. But, yeah, that's, that's the risk you take. So there's a guy in New York, right? I'm looking at this yeah. Wired article. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and there's this guy in New York that um, he's uh, he's billed as uh, one of New York's best professional D and D dungeon masters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, I'm just having a look at it here. So his his picture of him has him dressed in chainmail, well, a t-shirt with like a chainmail. Um, what's it called? You know, like the uh, thing that Coif. goes over the head and down here. Coif. Yeah, that thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, um, is he is he wearing a cap underneath? Uh, no, no, just his hair. Well, that's no good, is it? I don't think he's actually going to battle. I think he's going to run a D&D game. Well, you'll get your hair caught in the chainmail for a start, and that's very painful. I can tell you from personal experience. <laughs> well, this guy, don't recommend. he charges $250 to $350 for a three-hour yeah. session. Wow, okay. She's a little so, more yeah. expensive than the one you went with. Well, the the guys didn't turn up wearing chainmail. I can't say that. It's only, um, well, I think I think he's only wearing it just for this promo picture for the news article. I'm not I'm not sure he walks around wearing that. Really? Oh, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so there's that, and there's also there's another one. So this is yeah. this is on Bloomberg the site. Yeah, because that was on uh-huh. that was um, on uh, on Wired. This is on Bloomberg. Uh, and yeah. this is uh, another guy in San Francisco who uh-huh. basically does exactly the same thing. So he works, oh, yeah, yeah. He works as a dungeon master for hire. Uh, right. He caters primarily to those playing for the first time. Uh-huh. It's his sort of thing. His, his, uh, his yeah. thing. Uh, he uh, will charge you uh, $300 Ooh. for a beginner campaign for four hours. Okay. For five hundred dollars, he'll come to your office and run a D and D team team building activity. Right, uh, that sounds like fun. Yeah, well, it's basically just doing D and D, and people would work together and solve problems. D and D is an excellent problem solving well, yeah. activity. Yeah. Well, I am. Do, I do notice that looking at the photos in both of these articles, yeah. these guys are bringing a lot to the table in terms of physical objects. Like they've got really yeah. nice scenery and miniatures and props and handouts and this sort of stuff. Yes, so paraphernalia seems very important. Yeah, for your money, you get you kind of get a lot of a lot of that sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, although obviously these are available for non-commercial GMs, mm. there was a chap down the club yesterday. Oh, sorry, on Wednesday, and they bought along um, not one but two laser-cut uh, plywood boats Ooh. to run their D and D battle off. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like. Uh, I was like, oh, I sort of wish I was in that game now, yeah. Loki Mesa. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's really good. Yeah, I just I just Googled uh, D&D paid DM for hire, and there's loads and loads of ads. This is yeah, this guy here, absolutely. $100 an hour. Yeah. Um, this is guy here in Houston. Yes. There's loads of them, all yeah. over the place. There's tons of them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's something, I don't think it's the sort of thing that you can make a living off. Um, $100 it's something an hour, you do in addition. If you, yeah, but you've got to get people to pay you $100 an hour, or else that's, that's the tricky bit. Yeah. And, like, if you, well, how much would you pay for a DM? Yeah, I mean, I prefer to. Because you're quite fussy, aren't you? I, yeah. I prefer to be the DM, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe for my next birthday, you can. Like, well, how much are you going to pay me? How about nothing? Because you're well, you pay, you pay these guys. You pay these guys, and you won't pay me. That's not very nice. I, I, okay, fine. <laughs> 
How, how about a can of spam? <laughs> on the side spam, spam, drink? spam, spam, spam. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I don't think I could. I don't think I could. I don't think I'd feel like charging anybody for for that sort of thing. Because uh, well, it, it's like one of those things. Um, I mean, if people want to, pay well, for I get it. Yeah, there's that's a lot of problems. There, there's a lot of people who are willing to do it for free. Put it this way: you'd hire a, a magician for your kid's birthday party. What's yeah. the difference between that and hiring a a DM for your kid's birthday party? Yeah, I mean, there are such things as professional storytellers. Um, I've seen several performing, and it's generally, yeah, okay, this is a lot more interesting than somebody just being down the pub, mm. regaling you with a story. They've put a lot of effort in, they've practiced yeah. it. And and also, yeah, it's, it is a skill. Yeah, you, know, you do get better at do you it. Do remember Kevin Culp? Of course I remember Kevin so, Culp. Course, yeah. he, I don't know if he still does it, but he used to be really into professional storytelling. Right, I could well believe it. Mm. Yeah. I don't know if it's still a thing yeah. that he does at all now, but definitely, definitely a few years ago, it was a big, big thing that he used to do. Oh, absolutely. I mean, essentially, it all depends on how you frame it. Um, you can frame it as someone, someone's being paid to run a module, or you can frame it as you're getting someone to come and take part in an interactive story with you and guide you on a magical adventure. Mm-hmm. And both of these things can be true at the same time. Uh, yeah, and it, it's just like various things. Like if someone just turned up and they were reading the module in my house, I'd be, you know, not going to lie, pretty disappointed that uh, that's what they were doing. Um, but if they, like, you know, like I say, these guys, I, I don't I don't regret spending the money. Yeah, okay. Um, I think it was a good experience and everyone enjoyed themselves, I'll say. It's just like, yeah, I'm like, they could have customised it more. If they're, if they're writing a custom thing, they could have customised it more to what we told them was going to happen yeah. on our side of things. Or, like, given us some heads up that actually you should rethink what your plan is. Yeah. That, yeah. that would have been nice. But you, you yeah. had fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's the important thing. I saw, I saw, I saw friends. Yeah. And that was, uh, it was a very good experience. <laughs> I wasn't running the game. Did you have to pay your friends as well? I did not. <laughs> um, they, 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 in fact, bought me tribute. Oh, did they now? Uh, yes. Ah, tribute. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, should we, should we wind up now? Because I'm going to go on a magical adventure after this. I'm going to be led it, on a magical adventure. Is it rolled with cough syrup? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going for a walk with Hudson. Oh, has he not had his walk today? He's had a walk this morning oh. and he's going to have such nice weather. Isn't oh. it? When I say nice weather, it's actually not raining, but he actually gets two today. It is not raining. Yeah, you do that. Okay. In which case, uh, I think we should probably wind it up yeah. and say goodbye. Yeah. Now. Yeah, bye then. Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs> Apparently, I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at Morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. That's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo. Off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here.